Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Welcome to episode number 107 of the Marine Lair podcast. There's some injury concerns coming out of Mariner's camp. We'll judge how concerned we are. We'll take a look at some ruthless replies and a speak your mind follow up. This show is brought to you by our friends over at Pagacha's Pub 85. That's over in Kirkland. It's on 85th Street, has some great food options. You guys know we'll talk about it forever because we love to hang out there. We love to go and hang out with our friends, eat, drink, watch some games, play pool. Whatever you want to do, like that's your place to go. That's our place to go, and it can be your place to go too. And if you want to go during happy hour, get some great drink specials. They're from 2 to 6 p.m. on Monday through Friday. You can get $3 domestic beers along with $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, $4 house wines, all that, some great food, including some great pizza, and an awesome time with your friends is over at Pagacha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. And before we start the show, If you're listening, make sure to download, rate, and review five stars. If you're watching on YouTube, you see that subscribe button? Just click it. It takes one second to do. It's free. It's easy. Like and comment as well. And then follow us on social media where we do a ton of different stuff on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Wednesday, February 28th. And Lyle, we are T-minus less than one week until we land at spring training. Are you excited? You know I'm excited. Of course I'm excited. I think I've been thinking about this since, man, I don't know. November. November. Oh, Maybe. November. Maybe. I'm going to say maybe longer than that. When I even started to have the idea of, could we make this happen next year? Could we plan a trip down and do this? I've been thinking about it since, I don't know, maybe the spring. So to actually get down there and be present in person for it, yeah, I can't wait. I know we've talked about it a little bit over the last few weeks, but for those that may be there in Arizona next week, TJ and I will be there. So I'll be there from the 5th to the 10th. I get there a couple days before TJ does. The two of us will be there together from the 7th through the 10th. So like we always say, if, if you guys are there and you see us or you want to flag us down, please, please do. We love to talk to people. So hopefully we see a bunch of you out there and I know the two of us are fired up for it. Or you know what? I'm not even letting, I'm not even letting myself speak for you. Let me turn it back to you. Are you excited, Teej? I'm, I'm very excited. It's fun and it's going to be different. Uh, like we, I've seen, we've seen spring training in two sort of different formats. And so this is going to be a third different format. The first time you and I have both been to spring trainings as fans behind the gate. Don't get much, don't get much access. I mean, you get, you can go to the backfields, but you don't get the media access. And then we went as student reporters where we did get media access, but we were going to random teams who didn't know us. Little like little awkward. We've talked about it on this podcast before. Just trying to go up to professional athletes you have no relationship with and trying to get stories out of them. Not the not the easiest thing in the world. They don't trust you. They have no reason to talk to you. Kind of an awkward experience all around. This time, 
you know, you and I are a lot more comfortable. Um, we're older, more, more mature. We're adults, more, more, more like, you know, college educated, college graduated adults now with a platform, a real platform and connections within the organization with people we know there from media members to players to, you know, people on the coaching staff as well, who like know us and know who we are. It's like that makes it so much more exciting and uh, allows a lot more opportunity for us when we get there. So, man, it's it's going to be a blast when we get down there. Uh, I'm looking to forward to a number of things. Again, talking to the players. I miss all my Arizona food chains as well. It's going to be nice to go down there and check in back with some of those as well. We get to try out Leo's Island, get to uh, hopefully shoot the shit a little bit with Ryan Davis. It'll be uh, it'll be a lot of fun. We're planning a bunch of different stuff, and we'll probably talk about it as the days go by on our social channels or on our upcoming podcast, whatever it may be. I think we're planning to do some vlogs. So if you guys want to stay tuned for that and see some of the behind the scenes stuff and whatever TJ and I might be up to tune into our YouTube channels and our social channels for that, we'll be doing a bunch of other stuff too. Like we plan to be busy during this. That's for sure. And in a good way, but to your point, Tej, yeah, I'm with you. I think the biggest thing you, you hit on there is people know us now. Like, like people know who we are. We're not, just random people showing up like we were in college. I, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast. Maybe at some point. It, I, I, I re, I've remembered bringing it up, but it, okay. it was like we've had two different experiences. We covered two different teams, two different sets of players, right? Yeah. Like, So in a nutshell, in a 20-second nutshell, at school, in our professional program, they would send us out to cover spring training. And it's different from the media people that are there every day than some college kids who probably don't really look like they know what they're doing. These players have never seen us before. Like you said, like they're not going to be motivated to talk to random people they've never met. And we're also just kind of parachuting in. It's not like we were even there every single day for six weeks. It was like, no, you guys will show up like four or five times all spring. So yeah, you're kind of you're kind of SOL because you're just parachuting in and expecting to get stories where, like you said, now it's a little different. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. And to be honest, when you walk in there, you're 21, 22 years old and the players know that and they can tell you're like a kid, essentially, mm-hmm. still for the most part. And and there's just like less reason to take you seriously. I remember walking up to Keston Hira as he's going up, going to take batting practice. Like I asked, like asked if he had like 30 seconds, didn't even like look me in the eye. Like, no, and again, he, he is under no obligation to do that. He's a professional. He's up to, he's allowed to make his own decisions. I was in the clubhouse during clubhouse hours trying to get a story. He didn't want to give it. He wanted to go hit, but like for like what's going to be the difference now like you and I have now sat down on this platform and talked to Sam Haggerty and you've talked to Sam Haggerty in person too right where it's like oh like a familiar face in front of me asking a question yeah maybe I do have 30 seconds before I go hit to talk to you guys yeah Dom Gabe Sauce like a bunch a few of the minor league guys yeah exactly like people are not going to look at us and say I've never met you before so we think that should help and and allow us to do some cool stuff when we're there but Keep your fingers crossed and and check out our YouTube channel and our social channels. So I think we'll be posting a lot of stuff in the in the coming weeks. Stay tuned. And I think we're going to be I, I, I've floated this idea before and I think we've talked about this. I think we, we, we're going to do some lives while we're down there. We'll have some time because this will be the yeah. first time in a little bit that you and I have been spending more like more than just a few hours together at a time, not on vacation, technically. Mm-hmm. So we'll have some actual time to do that. And in the environment we'll be in. I think that'd be good, like an Instagram live or a TikTok live or both, right? So it'll be, uh, it'll be good. Yeah, especially if like maybe we're walking around during one of the games or something like that, whether it like, you know, if we're at the fields, like something, something like that. Yeah, that'd be cool. 
Yeah, be really cool. That'd be pretty cool. Speaking of spring training, there are some more storylines to come out of Mariners spring training this week. Are we starting to get concerned with injuries? Yes. Yes, we're concerned. I mean, if we're going to start with the guy who I think we're going to start with and Matt Brash, how can you not be concerned? Well, actually, first, let me retract some statements I had on our last show, because, again, the the early reports about Matt Brash were it wasn't serious. He was just shut down for a couple of days. They were being very cautious because it's February. And I said, look, this happens all the time in spring training. These kind of things do occur. And they always err on the side of caution because you don't want to make an injury worse. Well, now we've gotten to the point where we're sitting here on Wednesday. And since the last time we recorded a podcast, Scott Service was on Seattle Sports. He said they should have an update on Matt Brash in the coming days. But he did admit that Brash felt some soreness in his throwing arm. And that's all the details he'd provide at this point. The big kicker that really kind of set the hornet's nest going was Ryan Divish's article on Tuesday night where he reported that Industry sources believe that Matt Brash could miss an extensive amount of time and possibly the entire season. So to answer your question, Tej, yes, I'm concerned. Yes, I'm concerned one of the best relievers in baseball may not pitch. Like, that's kind of an issue. It's not, and it's not just the fact that Matt Brash is amazing. Like, think of the, like, think of the bullpen strategy that the Mariners have. They are going to want six innings out of their starter. Matt Brash gets the middle of the order the first time it comes up after the starter comes out, and Andres Munoz gets it the second time. Well, now who's getting it the first time? Well, it's Matt probably Brash Santos. Late. Right. Well, if, if he's ready to go, Santos hasn't stepped on a mound yet in a Mariners uniform. He mm-hmm. tossed on yesterday, he mm-hmm. threw. He played catch on Tuesday, but that is not that he's not ramped up to the point where he's on the mound throwing like like throwing. So he's progressing, but he's not quite there yet. So, yes, Lyle, in theory, in May, given that Gregory Santos continues on his path and he's healthy by then is good to go and he can get that order the first time through. But then you have a hole in your bullpen because you want shut down, shut down, shut down. You're going to want. The middle three, then you're going to want your reliever after that, which the Mariners have a, a number of them. But when you have a three-headed monster, you'd probably rather use all of them than just two of them. And then you're going to have Munoz. So if you are subtracting the leader in appearances from your bullpen last year, like who's who's going to pitch the remaining 78 games if not Matt Brash? Like that's a that's a lot of appearances to make up for for one guy. And, it's yeah, that's it's concerning. It's it's seriously concerning. Even if they miss him for like two months, I'm thinking about it this way: they need to start faster. How many how many times do we need to sit here and say they need to have a good April and May? Stop waiting until July and August to go on this insane run and push yourself back in playoff position. Be like a game out of first place in May. Like mm-hmm. be that. How much harder is that going to be without Matt Brash? Really tough. Look, and again, let's let's make this clear. There has not been an official diagnosis yet, but it's coming. It's going to be in the coming days. For all we know, as we're recording here on Wednesday night, by the time this podcast is out on Friday, there could be an official word. We're expecting it soon. What do we think it's going to be? Let me start by saying I'm at the point where if they announce that Brash is going to miss the first few weeks of the season. He'll start on the IL. You could expect him back in mid-May or even June. I'm at the point with that where I'm taking that as a win, and they say major, major injuries were avoided, but he's going to be behind. He's going to get healthy a little later in the season and join the team, yeah, May or June. 
because I'm at the point where I'm assuming the worst. And by the worst, I mean, I am very fearful. We're going to see a tweet saying he's getting Tommy John. And if that's the case, I hope they don't wait. I think the worst thing about Robbie Ray's injury last year is it was, you know, it was flexor tendon strain for a couple of months before he got Tommy John. And the longer you wait to get Tommy John surgery, which can be a 12 to 18 month recovery for a pitcher. Well, if you wait two extra months, that eats into the next season and then potentially the season after that. So like it, it, if they're going to make a diagnosis, make a diagnosis. I don't know if they're going to think they can they can work Matt Brash back to health. Say it's like a partial UCL tear. Sometimes they're like, well, let's see how it heals. Let's see like how he pitches after he gets back. It's not fully torn. It's just partially torn. I remember Masahiro Tanaka had that kind of issue. And instead of getting Tommy John, he just continued to pitch, and he was fine. It wasn't quite his previous self, but he continued to pitch, and he was continued to be productive. Uh, like... At this point, I I think everyone would prefer a diagnosis as soon as possible. And if if it if it is that bad, and they 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 think that like just rip the bandit off, it's like okay. Well, here's the first roadblock of the season for the 2024 Mariners. It's your one of your crucial pieces in that bullpen will not be here for a season and a half, and it sucks. I mean, maybe if he gets the surgery done, or again, let's preface this again. This is all speculation. We're speculating right now. There's not an official word as of time of recording. But if he gets the surgery now, if that's what it ends up being, yeah, then you hope he gets back. I guess there's a chance he could get on the field for opening day next year. It's probably a long shot. But if he got the surgery now, maybe he's back on the field by next May or June. But man, this is why, and this is what I mean. If they announce he's going to miss like the first few weeks of the season, I'm calling that a win at this point because they can survive, especially because the rest of the bullpen is so good. They can survive for six to eight weeks without Brash. They did it without Munoz last year. Remember, Munoz made two or three appearances then hit the IL for almost two months, and they they weren't playing fantastic, but a lot of that was on the offense. They got by without him. So if, if they can survive without Brash, great. But like that's almost best case scenario at this point, I feel like. They did certainly miss Munoz, though, when he was gone mm-hmm. last year. And, you know, we love Taylor Saucedo and, and Gabe Spire and all those other guys. But, the, like, the depth after Gabe Spire and Taylor Saucedo, I mean, now is really going to be tested. I mean, we're going to be talking about one of, like, Carlos Vargas, our guy Ty Adcock, Colin Snyder, Jackson Coar, who's going to start getting meaningful meaningful innings, right? And this is I, I saw the the discourse come back up today, which our next subject that we'll talk about here in a second. Well, Isaiah Campbell, when he was traded over to Boston, this is like, well, you know, a, a promising young Isaiah Campbell would be a, 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 make people feel a little bit more comfortable right now. Yeah, I would throw Ty Buttry into the mix too. Apparently, yeah. the Mariners have been really, really impressed with how he looks. He lo- apparently is fully healthy, and his stuff's looking like it once was. So maybe that's another guy into the mix. I'll tell you, people People have really gotten on the Carlos Vargas train in the last few days. I think people liked what he brought to the table anyway, but especially with this brash injury, I think people's minds are starting to go to this other hard-throwing righty that can hit triple digits, like as, as a guy that maybe can have a big breakout year if you're going to have brash on the shelf for an extended period of time. So you're right. If, if brash goes down, somebody's going to have to step up in a higher leverage bullpen role. And I'll tell you what, like we just talked to Gabe Spire on Wednesday for Wednesday's show. 
Remember at the time where they traded Topa and they hadn't gotten Santos yet? It was just Brash and Munoz as the two true like monsters in the bullpen. They said in, at that point in time before the Santos trade, Gabe Spire was going to throw a lot more in high leverage. And if that's the case with Brash all of a sudden where he's going to miss a lot of time, I think Gabe's going to be asked to take a much bigger role and throw a bunch of high leverage innings. And look, he can do it. We talked about it with him. He's got the stuff and the results to execute in that role. But I think it's safe to say that every single person, not just Mariners fan, but Mariners player too, would much rather have a healthy Matt Brash and Santos and Munoz than missing one of them. I hope Gabe gets those opportunities and he's going to crush it. He would crush it if he got those opportunities. He's a dog in that bullpen. He is. Uh, You know, remember how I brought up Ryan Stanek? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't, there's no reports out there that he's hurt. He's just not signed. Right. Like he's just it, he's there. The, if this is a worst case scenario, does that not make sense? Does it not make all the sense in the world? It does. Another righty who, again, like Stanek wasn't amazing last year, but he's a guy that you know he's had a lot of success in the past. You put him in the Mariners like bullpen mix and you know the pitching lab with the Mariners. I see no reason that if they were to sign him, why he can't bounce back and be really productive. And again, you said it, I said it, like we'll say it, we'll say it in harmony again. If Gabe Spires asked to throw in high leverage, he can absolutely do it. Like the two of us have the utmost confidence that if he's going to throw in high leverage, he can execute beyond belief. He is a really, really good reliever. But I would, I would love to see the like some sort of addition if Brash is really going to miss time. Where that way, look, Gabe can throw in high leverage, but have it be Gabe and Brash and Munoz and to your point, Ryan Stanek. Like, don't put so much emphasis on one guy to step up and fill the role. Where if you sign somebody like Stanek, who has done it in the past and throws in high leverage pretty often, like it, it makes it makes the situation what feels like a lot more manageable than just relying on somebody else to break out. And the Mariners have had guys break out every year. It may happen again. But if you're going to lose somebody as significant as Brash, it feels like the type of situation where it might be beneficial to replace them with a proven arm. Think about it this way, too. Part of the reason you could speculate why Brash is in this situation right now is because there wasn't enough supplemented around those core five of the bullpen last year, especially after Seawald got traded and the usage of Brash. People are always going to point to, hey, look, Brash appeared in 78 games last year. That was a lot. He pitched a lot last year. He's as a young guy, as a young guy, he pitched that much last year and people were trying to connect the dots. It's like, well, you pitch, you, you might've over pitched him a little bit out of the bullpen in the, in the leverage situations. And he comes back in two bullpens into his spring training the year after eh, banged up already. All right. So I'm going to refute that a little bit because it's not like he got hurt throwing bullpens in the off season. He may, it may have just been a fluke thing. Like, do you really think it's because he threw so much like I don't know, four or five months ago that now all of a sudden he's hurt. It feels like maybe he just had something feel funny after one or two pitches. Well, it would be the aggregate of last season and the off season as well. I mean, it, it all does add up, but if he pitched less during the season, he would have overall less workload, including his off season workload. Cause he wouldn't pitch more in the off season to make up for it. Yeah. And, that's and in the off season, it's so like, it's so climate controlled. I mean, you only pitch when you want. Like you can really monitor and slow yourself down in the off season to to be healthy. Yeah, I I would buy that argument a little bit more if he had been throwing a ton during the season and the injury happened 
during the year. I just, I don't know. When you take that much time off, e- even if you throw a lot, like, like I'm, I'm no doctor. I'm not saying I'm definitively right in what I'm saying here, but it just feels like when you have that much time off, you probably come in fresh. At least you would assume everybody comes in fresh and it's just one or two bullpens that he threw. It just feels like maybe something fluky happened. That, that is my take. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. A lot of injuries in general are just fluky. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, like, yeah, you're like, you like, sure, like, regardless, Matt Brash is not pitching right now, and that's an issue. If we're going to speak about throwing, and we mentioned Isaiah Campbell earlier, the guy he was traded for has not made some very good headlines this uh, spring training. Apparently, Luis Sirius, uh, I think, as we mentioned last episode, st- he's still not throwing across the diamond, he still cannot throw across a baseball diamond he's playing catch at about 70 feet right now because of some shoulder issues he's dealing with and he showed up to camp in quote from the report from ryan divish in less than stellar shape which uh is troubling a troubling combination tell you what Luis Luis Urias is no first impression guy i'll tell you that i mean you put up a wrc plus under 90 last year you come into camp reportedly out of shape and you can't throw the ball like you're not off to a hot start pal i gotta say and for all for us coming on here and saying well you know i think in the aggregate josh rojas and Luis Urias could match matt chapman uh, i'm not sure i can stand up to that right now after reading some of these reports i mean whew. It's a divish said he left him off his projected opening day roster because of how he's currently sits that that's like unacceptable that can't happen. No, it's not good. It's really like, jo- no. Josh Rojas, great guy. He's not. He cannot be a starting third baseman on his own. That that cannot happen. He was platooning at second base when he got over here last year, and, and again, we figured he probably platooned at third. And there are other options for what they could do if Urias is going to miss time. But I, I hope this trade still works out for the Mariners. But. It is not promising when a third baseman for back-to-back years comes into camp out of shape because there are reports that Gino was not in shape in spring training last year. Now it's happening with Urias again. You gave up a quality reliever to get the guy. You are banking on a bounce back. It's not like you're trading for Urias after he put up one of his 110-112 WRC plus seasons. No, he had a bad year last year. And you are banking that he can put that in the rear view mirror. But for everything he's so far endured, like he's not instilling a lot of hope in people right now because again if you're not in shape and you can't throw the ball and you're not playing in games and you might start on the IL and then your season's delayed not not great not great Matt Chapman's still a free agent he's okay he's still there let's let's come back to him in a minute we can talk about him I will say before that do we want to throw out a couple other options? Because here's here's what internally the Mariners have right now. They have Brian Anderson. He's in camp. I think that one probably makes the least sense because he's a reverse. Uh, he's a yeah. He's a reverse splits guy. He actually hits better against righties than lefties, and he's probably not expected to make the roster anyway. Michael Chavis is 
interesting. He's actually had a decent camp so far, and you look at his career. I, now, I'm not going to sit here and say he is torched left-handed pitching in his career, but his career OPS against lefties is 7.16. Like it's above league average these days. And 2021, during his best year, it was over 800. It was like 7.20. It was 7.23 last year. Yeah, look at these splits for Chavis. By the way, he had a 7.23 OPS against lefties last year and a 3.52 OPS against righties. So. He hits lefties better than righties, that's for sure. That is one option. Uh, I'll, I'll throw out one more guy in a minute, but of those two, a- am, I re- am I in the right mind of thinking for saying Chavis probably makes more sense? And if, we're, if I were to put money on it, it would probably end up being one of those two, if I'm going to guess, mm-hmm. at this yeah. point. The ice, the ice horse. The ice horse to Seattle, as Jared Carabas famously coined him. So how Chavis did he earn is that? One- Do you remember how he earned that nickname? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. No, but I know Carabas mm. has called him that for a while. So listen, if he's coming over to Seattle, Jared, we will rightfully, you can rightfully pass the torch to us and we will continue the ice horse nickname here on the Marine layer pod. So, well, we can have Jared back on at the all-star break to talk about Michael Chavis's all-star first half. That sounds great. And you know what? He'll be a supporter. I'm pretty sure Carabas was always a Michael Chavis guy. So yeah, that'd be awesome. I will throw out one more option, and this gets a little bit complicated. If it's not going to be Chavis, if it's not going to be Anderson, if it's not anybody outside the organization, is there any chance Ryan Bliss makes the opening day roster now with this Urias thing? Now, I don't think he's... uh, Well, go ahead. I don't think he's a third baseman. So, you just hit the nail on the head. Ryan Bliss has not played a inning at third base in his college or professional career in his time in the minor leagues. No third base. He's played short. He's played second. He's not played third. So you would have to kind of maneuver some things around. I guess you could float with the idea of, does Rojas go back to second? Him and Bliss platoon at second. Polanco goes and plays third if Urias is going to miss time. I, like, that is an option. So but Yeah, that's and if you, a, sorry, an option. Bliss, yeah, if you think that Bliss is your best bat in terms of options, and he can hit lefties, so he'd platoon with Rojas. And we know Polanco can play third. He's not a great defender, period, but he can play third. It is, it is a possibility. Like, like, Ryan Bliss is another guy that's gotten off to a really good start. He had a three-hit day the other day. We'll see how the rest of his spring progresses, but I'd say people should keep an eye on him, especially if Urias is going to miss time. I still think it's more likely for one of the two older options, at least at first, to start in the big leagues. I think the Mariners want to get Ryan Bliss like a month, at least minimum in AAA to start mm-hmm. the season. Get off to a good hitting start. Don't, you know, after, don't just get thrown into the fire at the big league level. Hey, welcome to the big leagues. You're starting on opening day. Congratulations. Because so Bliss last year torched AA, came up to AAA. He was fine in AAA, not, not Dom Canzone in AAA. He was fine in triple a last year and even if he's had a good spring you'd say okay well we want to get your feet under you at triple a first facing triple a pitchers before you bring up and it's like oh it's like 98 with a biting slider on the outside corner and immaculate command like i think we should probably work you in a little bit for your own your own good and give michael chavis a more proven major league option more of a shot at the big league level before ryan bliss however if it's the all-star break and they still need and they still need a, they, they, and Michael Chavis isn't working out. And that makes more sense because he would have gotten at that point, three months in triple a three months in the best hitters league in America, the PCL. 
and it w- it w- he would feel a lot more confident coming up to the big league level. I'm with you. I think that's the more likely option with Bliss. He didn't hit all that great when he got to AAA in the short amount of time he played there last year. He showed some promise, and everybody knows he has promise. But you're probably right that he's not a Julio type where you can just yank him up from AA. He probably could use a little bit more time in the minor leagues. Like you said, let him get acclimated. Let him build up some more confidence. Continue to hit through the PCL. And then, yeah, if, if it's even mid-May, June, etc., and you feel like you need a reinforcement offensively, and he's hitting that well, then maybe it becomes an option, especially if Urias isn't back. But I would agree that if they're going to go with somebody internally, if Urias misses time, Chavis is the most likely option, especially if he continues to hit well throughout spring. Now, there is still one other option. You kind of alluded to it a couple minutes ago. There is a premier third baseman still sitting out on the free agent market who we have talked about a lot. And it's more and more looking like These guys are going to be on short-term deals. The remaining free agents, Blake Snell, Matt Chapman, J.D. Martinez, others. oh, Jordan Montgomery, those are the big four left. Chapman makes the most sense for the Mariners, especially now with the Urias thing. They going to kick the can on this again? If if there is a deal similar to what Cody Bellinger had, no long-term commitment, all the control in the hands of the players, I mean, why not? Like why not? You you you'd have to sell. You'd probably again have to sell it for a payroll increase. You would need a payroll increase to make this happen. But it more likely is not more likely than not now. These guys are going to get a very Cody Bellinger like contract. If they were going to get a ten year deal, it would have happened by now. But it's going to probably look more like what Cody got: three year contract, two player options. Chapman makes sense. The report from John Heyman this week is that Blake Snell is looking at that as well as, as an option to play this year at a high rate, go back on the free agent market next year if he feels like it. If not, he can stay where he is. It's like it, everything that needed to happen for the Mariners to actually have a realistic chance of this is happening. It, the question is if they're going to jump on it. And the other question I have is, I mean, who do we really blame for this? Who, who should, whose fault is this? Is this Scott Boris's fault? Is this the owner's colluding fault? Is this a just sharp market adjustment on people not wanting to overpay? Like, what do we think we have a conclusion here? Oh, I think it's Boris's fault. I think he overplayed his hand. I think finally his arrogance has finally caught up to him. Look, we know regional sports networks are falling apart across the league. Spending is down. But there were offers on the table for real money for some of these guys that got turned down. The report was the Yankees offered Snell six years for $168 million. Boris said no. I bet you they take that at this point. I don't know if that offer's still on the table. That seems like a pretty good deal for Blake Snell. I, I am surprised that they turned that offer down. I'm sure Boris is trying to use the two Cy Youngs thing to get more years for him and more money. But yeah, I think this is Boris. I think finally, this has caught up to him. He was so certain on what the market would be. And team said, nope, we're not spending that. Sorry, make us a different offer. Otherwise, they're going to sit in free agency into the start of the season. It's a real shame. It's a real shame. It just shows you the the fickle nature of free agent negotiations. It's like a lot of things in life, all about timing and the timing seem that window seems to have passed for a lot of these guys. But the options are there for the Mariners if they want to make this happen. If they truly like truly have the opportunity to go make an upgrade and they have the the finances to do it, they can do it right now. Right now. 
honestly, Snell is still an option too at a short term deal. You talk about things are happening for this to be a possibility for the Mariners, not just with the market coming down. And I would say Snell is less likely than Chapman. But with the brash injury, if you were to sign Snell and you decide you want your dynamite bullpen arm to be Bryce Miller or Brian Wu, that is an option. I don't think that's what's going to happen. I'm pretty sure they're confident and set on the idea of Miller and Wu being starters, which is perfectly okay. In fact, it's more than okay. I'm fired up for both of them. I'm just saying that is an option. Maybe it's an option they're thinking about if they think Snell would take a one to two year deal. But in all likelihood, if they are really looking at free agency still, it makes too much sense for it to be Matt Chapman. And I don't think Matt Chapman's going to get $30 million the way that Cody did. I think Cody is regarded as a much more valuable player at this point than Chapman. So if Chapman was going to get some three-year deal for 60 to $65 million, it was an opt-out after each year. And the first year, the Mariners had to pay him somewhere between 15 and $18 million. I, I would think long and hard about that. Because guess what? If Chapman walks after year one, you don't have to be tied down to his money. And if he wants to stay, well, then you keep a good player. I would, I would think long and hard about this if I was the front office. I don't know if they have the payroll flexibility to do it. I don't know if ownership will say yes to this. If they do, I think it's a thought. And 365 days from now, you might have guys in your organization ready to replace him at third base that you would feel confident in. And there's no long-term money, like you said, attached to it. So something to think about. It, the 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 cards have fallen right into the Mariners' lap if they decide to pick them up and roll with it. Because right now, the current third base position situation is not like you can't go into the season with this. Is something gotta gotta shuffle the deck a little bit? Something something needs to uh, something needs to change with that. So, a couple of disappointing stories coming out of spring training this week. Before we get to ruthless replies, let's hear a word from our friends at Simply Seattle. You can go to simplyseattle.com and use our code Marine fifteen for fifteen percent off your order. They make the best Pacific Northwest apparel. You're a Seahawks fan, Huskies, Kraken, Sonics, Mariners, whatever you need, they got it for you at simplyseattle.com. Use our code Marine15 at checkout. Okay, let's get to ruthless replies. Now, another fun segment. We love doing this segment. Uh, I will say, I think people now have started to get nicer to us because the volume is really not as high as it was a month ago. Not as high. It, we're not free of it, that's for sure. We don't, we like, we had to scroll a little bit more to try to find some replies, but it wasn't that hard. Let's be real. You don't have to scroll too far on any of our social media pages to see somebody say something. As a result, we have things to read. I I will say, though, I did read almost as many nice comments as I did the mean ones, which, again, is really good. I actually really appreciate that. That puts a smile on my face just as much it puts a smile on my face to do this segment. So shout out to you guys. Truly mixing it up, keeping us off guard. Nice comment one month, mean comment the other month. It's perfect. Balance in life. Yeah, and for all the nice commenters, of course, as we cannot ever state and preach enough, like you guys are the best. The fact that you guys like take time to listen to us, that you like what we have to say, like we always, always appreciate it. And, And believe me, like we're not just saying that. We don't just let it go by the wayside. We mean it from the bottom of our hearts. But the people that have some not so nice things to say, We love you guys, too, and shout out to you because you're getting recognition here on the pod. Okay, go ahead. Read your first one. All right. As always, if you want to hear the music bed, you can listen to the audio platform. 
on YouTube. We'll just read them and we'll put the screenshots of them up on the screen. Okay, first one. Uh, this is about TJ talking about Matt Brash's injury on social media earlier this week. We get a reply that says, Many of us have been saying for several months that the Mariners lineup is weak. Homers such as yourself have been praising the Poto for this offseason, but it's a joke. They are definitely a worse team than they were last year, and it's by design. They're cheapskates. Hmm. We're homers. A Mm. Mariners podcast feels a certain way about one team more than the other 29. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Who would have thought? Hmm. Never thought about it that way, Lyle. No. We're we're not in journalism school anymore, pal. We don't we don't have to be objective. This is this is two people that are a fan of a team. So yes, like well, in all seriousness, obviously we think it's been a good offseason, but yes, we are going to have bias toward our favorite team. Like, spoiler alert. So I think your commenter and my first commenter are, are gonna want to agree, are gonna agree on something because my first commenter says who decided it was a good idea to give you guys mics? And I think both of them are like, why would we want to give Homer's mics? It's like, yeah, you know, you bring up a good point. You know whose idea it was, funny enough? It was ours. Right here. We're going to like, we're going to go on Amazon. We're going to buy ourselves some mics. We're going to hop on camera and start spewing things into the mics for people to listen to. It was our idea. So if you got a problem, pal, well, I've got some news. You can take it up right with the two of us right here. We, my condolences for having to listen to our voices on a weekly basis. Mm, Yes, I concur. Sorry, our apologies. Uh, Yes, our sincerest, sincerest apologies. Okay, I believe this one was after we talked about the hypothetical idea of a Nolan Arenado trade at the deadline. And we get a reply that says, Stop your fiction podcasts and talk about what's realistic. Well, I have been told that I like to live in a fantasy land. We know I'm a dreamer, TJ. I'm more the dreamer of this podcast. So yes, uh, fiction, no. Do I live in a fantasy land sometimes? Oh, uh, you can argue. Yeah, the, 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 certainly a valid point if you were to say that. <laughs> certainly. <laughs> I do love a good fiction podcast. Everyone likes to live outside of reality a little bit. I think that person could use a little trip outside reality and they would... Uh... They would appreciate it. I think their mind would be opened up a little bit. Uh, The next comment I have here, it's amazing how low Mariners podcasters have set the bar for the offseason moves. I think this is a playoff of us being homers. While we're not allowed to be optimistic. It is funny. Well, we should know this by now, that negativity drives social media. The, The people that like to get out there and say, good vibes like the Mariners are good this year they have a chance to be a really good ball club that actually pisses people off it's like we want to be like up about the team and have and have energy about the team for some reason that rubs people the wrong way isn't it funny how social media works we're just not allowed to be excited about our baseball team I think that's all it is if somebody else is in a bad mood we're not allowed to be in a good mood yes also, they're kind of taking a shot at the whole community here. They said it's, it's amazing how low the bar has been set by Mariners podcasters. He didn't even specify us. So for our other friends that are in the Mariners community, they're taking a shot at everybody with this one. So mm. take issue. Mm. It's personal yeah. now. It's personal. Okay, next comment we get. It's from TikTok, and it says, this is in regards to the Mariners bullpen versus Astros bullpen. They say, 
Holy shit, I can't stand you guys. Abreu had been the most dominant pitcher in baseball for like two years. Presley's on the decline, but better than, and then he just stops. Like he's typing out this response. He's in fury. He's right now to reply. And then you know what? I lost my train of thought. Send. Like, what? You know, I respect this as a fellow typo artist. Like, this was, this is like something I would send as a text message and not realize how much I messed up. Like, dead serious. This would be me. So, some might say, some, there might be some accusations coming that that, that could be me. If someone in our friend group saw that message and saw it directed at us, I'm like, Peach, I think that might have actually been you, buddy. Is this TJ's burner account next on Undisputed? We're going to have to find out. (laughs) I don't know. But a very aggressive comment. Very aggressive. We're we're just trying to make a case here. And someone was being overly aggressive. But you know what? We like aggressive. We like direct to the point. So credit to that person for leaving us that. My last, the ruthless reply that I have for you, Lyle. Chapman isn't worth the money he's demanding for us talking about Matt Chapman. You guys are still clowns. Well, let's insert the gif of putting the clown mask right over your head. You know, you grab it, take the strap, you put it over your head. Clown. How many times have we been called clowns in our time as podcasters? Too many. Too many. You couldn't even sit an over-under, over-under to do so. But hey... Anytime you want to make the baseball team better, you're just a clown. You can't make anybody happy, Lyle. Not in this world. I'm going to say it's been in triple digits. I would say it's 100 plus times since we That's not shocking. You know, half the time we deserve it, half the time we probably don't. So it's a balance. Welcome. Welcome to social media. Listen, we always enjoy doing these segments. For the people that send us all the nice comments, we always, always appreciate it. We really cannot appreciate it enough. And for the people that send the ruthless ones, well, you guys get to stand out on this segment of the show once a month. So thank you to you guys. All right, let's get to Speak Your Mind. Speak Your Mind, Spock. That would be unwise. What is necessary is never unwise. Okay, let's read this email. Let's summarize this email from Jim Owen, who sent us an email with a a proposition of the person with the most degrees of separation from, say, you or I. He voted that an elderly male carpenter in a landlocked African country is the is the person with most degrees of separation. He gave a couple of reasons. The person is older, therefore grew up in a less communicative age. There's less travel to landlocked countries, especially in a country, uh, a continent as underdeveloped as Africa. Um, The person doesn't interact with many people in a day-to-day life in a small village with a profession that doesn't require much overlap, like a delivery person or a person who owns a restaurant or something like that. And it made a lot of sense. He wrote us a very nice, long email and rationed it out a lot. And he said, well, it does disqualify people who don't have any degrees of connection, like say an uncontacted tribe, that's like infinite degrees of separation because they're uncontacted or somebody who literally doesn't know anybody because you physically cannot know that person. So I thought his rationale made a lot of sense. So landlocked, uh, elderly male carpenter from a landlocked African country. It's well thought out. I'll say that. I would never have thought of that. I'm going to be honest. I guess I was trying to think of famous people. 
But with that logic, yeah, if if you can't get six degrees away to somebody from that area of the world, maybe it's not six. I mean, I'm sure it's a general term, right? That like in most cases, it's six degrees of separation. Where I guess if you find extreme examples, maybe you can even dive further out into it. But yeah, this, I don't know, this sparked a lot of debate from people. I figured I'd just bring it up. Maybe a couple people would have a thought or two on it. And that was it. But we got a lot of comments back saying, maybe it could be this, maybe it could be that. And then we get this email from Jim that says, well, if you really think about it and try to think of the most, like one of the most secluded areas of the world, you get this. And I was like, well, I would have to do some real research to see if I could branch my way all the way out there. I don't know if I can or not. Maybe that is the answer. And you would have to think it is somewhere with the least amount of internet possible because the internet is the ultimate degrees of connection. You can connect mm-hmm. with anyone with an internet connection through one degree. Yeah, with the true. internet. It's very true. So are we changing our answers? Is this our new final answer? Are we sticking with what I, we said last week? I think it has to be. I mean, you could say this person lives in Asia too. There are some very remote parts of Asia, but otherwise, I mean, he's got a point. Like mm-hmm. that is uh it, that is a very secluded person, the what of what he described. So it makes a lot of sense. If anybody has a better answer than a than what Jim suggested, you can write us an email, send us a DM, leave us a comment. I'd be interested to know if somebody can think of a better option than that. Yeah, me too. Although, I still like my answer of the rock because, mm. I mean, it's not, a, again, a it's not a, what's that? Yeah. Well, it's cool to think about. I mean, I'll probably if, never meet the guy, but. If I were to think of like one person, if we somehow had somebody who's lived their entire life in space, I think that that would probably be the only thing that could, that could top that. Because how many people go to space? I mean, not many. Are there people that have actually right. lived their whole life in space? That can't no. be real. Yeah. Right, no. But if that was the case, that's the only thing that would be more isolating than what he just described. That's true. And you would have to go to space at such a young age, too, and just be up there forever, basically. Right. What would you know? Ten people? Something like that. But even then, I feel like you'd have to grow up at least going to school at some point, meeting other people who then know other people. I don't know. In theory, but people in, on Earth don't even do that. Oh, are you saying they're born in space? I mean, I don't think you can do that, right? No, you can't. I mean, again, my, my thought isn't re- real, but the only way I think uh, you can get more isolated than that is if, in theory, somebody in the current cl- space climate and our space capabilities went up there on their own. I somehow see. got up there on their own and lived up, like, say, at the International Space Station. I see. Okay, that would be the one where, yes, that is even more secluded. Maybe we'll get to that one day. I I don't know if it'll be on our lifetime or not, but if that happens, maybe it changes to the eight degrees of separation or something like that, maybe even more. So, yeah. Well, we appreciate the email. We uh, certainly appreciate that you guys took to this topic and gave it some thought like we did because it sparked some debate, which was cool. So we appreciate you guys. I'm glad it gave people something to think about. Hopefully we can keep sparking ideas from people and other things we bring up in the future. So I guess we'll see. I think that will just wrap up, just about wrap up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. If you want to listen to the full form podcast, you can do so wherever you get your audio pods. If you're listening, make sure to download, rate and review five stars, leave a written review. You're, you're doing us a big favor. 
And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And then check us out on social media where we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.